Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, good morning, Arizona. You know, I don't know what we do for Troy Bearer with, you know, the, the good news of the phenomenal weather for this week. But and I guess if we blame the weatherman for bad news, we got to give Troy credit for the good news we just had. Beautiful morning out there. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music, smiling, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed, ready to go. Uh, you can give her a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. You could be the first one on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show this morning. Beautiful morning out there. You know, the days are getting longer. We're already seeing to be a little light out. You can see the mountains in Sunny Slope today. You couldn't really see them last week. So, you know, the days are getting longer. The temperature is certainly responding. You know, as the days get longer, it can stay warmer. And all of a sudden now we're going to be in the 70s, which we haven't seen for quite some time. And uh, that's going to be great for our plants. Spring is here. But it also tells us that we have a lot of work to do. If we have deciduous things we haven't uh, transplanted or pruned, uh, now is the time. Uh, tells us that, you know, now is the time that probably the frosts are over. Yep, it doesn't look like we're going to freeze again this year. So if you're going to get those veg- vegetables planted, the gardens tilled up, you know, it's time to get to work on all that. And if you're looking for some pretty stuff for the Super Bowl, you can get the house kind of spruced up, ready to go for friends and family to come and visit. And whatever your dreams and passions for the landscape. I mean, there's so many styles here in our desert. We really need to be mindful of our water and how we use it and manage it. You know, it's just amazing to see how the valley's grown. And, uh, you know, to sustain everything, we're going to have to manage our water different than we have in the past. But that doesn't mean that there's not plenty here for us to enjoy and to, you know, really work with our lifestyle. And, uh, you know, plants can do a lot of wonderful things, clean the air, cool the environment down. And uh, there's nothing like that green color just to make one feel good. So we could talk about how to manage the water so it goes the furthest then we use it and recycle it the best. Anyway, whatever your dreams, if you have a solution, an idea, a thought, something different, you're growing, we were all here to learn. We'd love to hear from you. Lots of styles, lots of ways to do things. Beautiful Sonoran Desert landscape that we live in. You know, fantastic state where we have all different kinds of uh, climate zones. I mean, one can go up and hang out in the snow all they want to this week and just have a great time playing in the snow and yet be down here and uh, you maybe enjoy a swimming pool if it's heated, a little chilly if it's not. But at any rate, uh, it is a beautiful state to live in. We have all kinds of climate zones, all kinds of different plants, beautiful ones from our Sonoran Desert, the Mojave Desert, but uh, also a lot of tropical plants that thrive here. We're in a subtropical region. We have traditional shade trees. We grow some fantastic citrus. And uh, whatever your dreams or passions, give us a call. Once more, the number for the lovely Shira, 602-277-5827. Bob and Tempe, good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Good, good. Uh, my question is about my bougainvillea. I have bougainvillea about oh maybe eighty uh, along approximately eighty feet of my of a wall held up with uh, uh, trellises that I built. Anyways, I've taken your advice and in September or October cut them back some, and of course had some great blossoms through the. November, December, and even now. My question specifically is how much, uh, and, and by the way, they extend out anywhere from two to three feet from the wall. At this point, what should I do about trimming those? 
Uh, so they'll continue to blossom somewhere in the summer or, or otherwise. How far back should I cut them? You know, you can cut them as far as you like, Bob, and it's how you want to maintain them and how far you want to let them grow. But I would reduce their size, you know, if you want to keep them back into bud, you know, as far as the end growth on the top of the plant or the base of the plant, so you don't have to prune them again too soon, you know, by probably right. a foot or more. You know, and if they're real tall and vertical and you want to hold their height down, you could cut them down as much as five or six feet, you know, on a vertical height and have a bougainvillea come back in a matter of three or four weeks and bloom. Ideally, in my opinion, you you know, you're going to prune bougainvilleas twice a year, like we, well, we talked about, you know, pretty much uh, September. And then again, usually about the 1st of March. Do you, do you say you still have bloom right now? Yes, we do. We, so, we have very little frost damage okay. out here. So what I would do is I would enjoy the bloom now for the next month. You know, I wouldn't print them in February. Okay. I wait till March because they're going to grow very slowly in, in, in February compared to March. And then butcher them as far as you like, you know, the first part of March. And that right. way it's going to be warm enough. They're going to grow back very quickly and they won't look pruned for as long. But um, okay. you, you can prune them to whatever point you enjoy. And it's not going to really harm a bug and bee at all. Okay. One more thing, if I might. Mm-hmm. Last summer, the landscaping crew we had would come in and every week or two would be trimming them back some. And so I've never really got many blossoms through the summer. I don't want to have that happen this year. Okay. So what should I do? Just just trim them back. In, so, Bob, in you're going you're to be here all summer, right? Yes. Yeah. So I. Well, I, other than I, when I'm traveling to Europe. I well, okay. I would I would butcher them in March, okay, and I would let them okay. grow. And I wouldn't touch them again probably until August. Now, what happens in August here recently is we have a little caterpillar like that's feeding on them. And so that kind of decimates some of the foliage in August. But, you know, you could cut them back the first of August, let the caterpillars do their damage, or else you could spray the caterpillars if you want to with a little BT and kill them. But then come back, and when the caterpillars are kind of done, about the, the middle of uh, September, butcher them again. But just if you're really going to okay. prune them hard twice a year, you can have flowers 10 months a year. Well, that's, what I, that's what I want to hear. All so, righty, Bob. All right. I, I appreciate your program, and thank you for the information. Well, thanks for being our first caller today, Bob. Happy, happy, have a nice well, I'm. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Hello, John and Gilbert. Hey, good morning, Brian. Hey, I've got a question about deep watering my trees. I know Rainbird makes a product that it's like a, a probably a four-inch diameter pipe that uh, you put a bubbler in uh, down below the surface, and then you cap it. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Well, I, I don't think it makes much difference how you apply it, John. Uh, most of Gilbert has pretty darn heavy clay soil. Okay. Okay. And so heavy clay soil is not going to take water or sub very fast. You know, it's going to take a long time for the water to move through the soil. So whether you put it down in a pipe or you put it on the top, you know, it's going to not, it's going to have to be watered for a longer duration, longer period of time. That or you're going to have well, to have a large well or capturing device that can hold enough water. So after you fill the well, it can drain over a couple hours and go into the soil. Well, um, I've had bubblers uh-huh. in the tree wells, okay. and, um, you know, the dogs will chew them up. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, the grass will grow up in there, and you use a weed eater, and you're always replacing uh, bubblers and line and whatnot. So I thought, well, if I went underground... And, and, that, could, and that'll uh, be you fine. Know, you know, so if you're just basically covering up the bubbler... You know, whether you put it in a right. subterranean six inch piece of four inch diameter pipe or you put, you know, you have the whole longer, deeper and have, you know, something that's going to be perforous down below. 
it's all going to do about the same thing. But the, but the okay, real key I've to deep a, watering is to put it on slow for a long time. Okay. Well, I've got an assortment of ash trees and citrus trees. So uh, um, they make them in different lengths of pipe. How deep could I go? Three feet? It's not going to. Well, John, what I'm telling you, it's not going to make any difference. Whether you go eight oh. inches or three feet in clay soil, it's not going to really make any difference. You know, you okay. can put them down deeper unless you're going to plant new trees and dig very large holes and remove the clay soil that you have and putting in something that's more porous, you know, more porous. Um, it's not going to make a big difference. If you want to put one in two or three feet, it's great. You know, and it's, it's going to be fine. And the water will go down and sub out away from that pipe. So that's going to get some water deeper than if you just put it on the surface. But whether you're watering on the surface or down two or three deep feet deep, the real key is to get in the, the ground wet is to run your water for a long duration. Now, if you were going to put three or four of these pipes around a tree, okay, so you had different entry points for your water and ran it for a long time, that would be a good idea. You know, things like ash trees, for example, tend to have a pretty deep taproot. And so they're going to go as deep as the water is, you know, and if you have water that is only putting down the ground a foot, so they're going to go a foot. If you put the water down three or four foot, it'll do that. What we do in our citrus orchards is we like to get water down to a depth of about at least four feet. Okay. And we like to spread the water from the trunk out to the drip line of the tree. And so for us to accomplish that with a uh, 10 gallon an hour emitter, we run our, we run our citrus groves for 12 hours and because we're in lighter soil, we have to run once every two weeks. Okay. And Clay and Gilbert, if we were watering the citrus grove this time of year, would water once a month and once every two weeks in the summer would be plenty. Gotcha. Okay. But well, I was thinking about putting two of the pipes in, one on each side, but you can certainly do that, and it's, and it's not going to be detrimental. And keeping the irrigation away from the, you know, the catastrophes that can happen on the surface is a good thing. Okay, but you, what okay. you want the water to do, you want the water to, you know, basically go about the width of the canopy of the tree, okay, and probably about four foot deep. Okay. So however you and, get the water, uh, there's good. And then the thing is with Gilbert, because we have had such heavy clay soil, we don't have to water near as often. If you're in soundy or rocky or ground, it's going to take a lot more water. But in Gilbert with heavy clay, you know, you're not going to water that frequently. Okay. And what's your best choice for a peach tree? Well, all, all the low chills are good. You know, Desert Gold's probably the historical most popular. Uh, Florida Prince is really good. Most of those real prolific spring varieties you're going to have to thin. So they're going to have so many peaches, unless you thin them five or six inches apart on the branch, you're going to have smaller fruit, but you'll have a big crop. Uh, there's Eva's Pride and May Pride and some different ones that tend not to be so prolific in crop and have bigger fruit. But, you know, it's hard to beat just a good old Desert Gold peach. I mean, it, it bears really well. It's one of the first ones. That it's very predictable. And you carry that? We do. Okay. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, Thank Sean. you. Bye-bye. I know I, I, I know I can trust you with a good answer. <laughs> well, you, you'll get some <laughs> answer anyway, John. Hey, have a nice weekend. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, and we've got Glenn, Barbara, and Chris, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Here every Sunday from 9 to, no, 7 to 9. We don't, we, well, maybe that's about when I wake up about 9 o'clock. Anyway, we're on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Almost heaven, West Virginia.
sunny slope and soon it will be sunny here again today we do have a line available you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827 277-KTAR next up we've got Glenn in Maryville good morning Glenn good morning Brian I listen to your station all the time uh, question I have three bottle brush trees in my yard and uh, one's a skinny one the other two are full when we got that last frost uh the one I noticed was the leaves was brown, like they died. The other two are fully green. Do you think that tree's lost, or will it come back? No, even if it, no, it'll come back, Len. I mean, some bottle brush are frost tender, and you can get some burn, mostly on the new growth. But I think you'll find it'll rebud and come back out within the next well three or four weeks. Okay, so should I just leave the leaves alone and let them fall? Yeah, off I just by let yourself? the leaves fall. It, you know, basically, as the sap comes up and it starts to grow, it'll push that old foliage off. So, and then if, if you see it push okay. out buds and some of it sticking and clinging, you might prune it at that point. But I would leave it alone until it buds out and starts to grow. And then, what kind of water should I do? About twice or once Glenn, every two weeks? How long has it been planted? Moving? Oh, this tree's probably 35, 40 years old. It's old as the house almost. Mm, I'm, I'm surprised it burnt at all. Um, you know, I'm not sure that it was frost that burnt the leaves. Oh, okay. Maybe so, it was just, maybe I didn't water it enough. Well, it could, could, could be. But anyway, I deep water it right now. You know, and then the bottle brush, most yeah. of them, um, you know, if they're watered once every two weeks this time of year, pretty heavy on a big tree. That's more than enough. Okay. And you might try just giving it a light shot of some fertilizer. And even if you had Peter's or Miracle okay. Grow at home, if you mix some of that up and poured it around it and pushed it down with some water and see if you can't get it to pop out. But I'd water it real heavy about once every two weeks. It's probably had plenty of water from the rain, you know, since December. That's- but yeah, um, that's why I was wondering why it died like that. The leaves, you know, but- unless you use some kind of a herbicide or something, is it in grass? It's in grass. Uh-huh. Uh, there's three of them, and I've never really used stuff. The grass grows green every year. Uh-huh. I never put fertilizer or nothing down. Okay. Yeah, because it, it's kind of odd that it would have a problem. Um, because, you know, those should be plenty okay. hardy when they're that established, not to have any frost damage on a bigger tree like that. I wouldn't expect any this year. And uh, Okay, so just get some fertilizer. You I'd give it a light shot of fertilizer watered in, and then I would take a, a sharp knife and go up and scrape some of the limbs and see if it's green underneath the wood. And if it's going to pop back out, it should do it over the next three or four weeks. Okay, thank you. Thanks, have a great Glenn. day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Barbara and Surprise. Good morning, Barbara. 
Hi. Um, I was reading next door, and somebody said that they were looking for a landscaper. And I wrote back and said, it's too cold to have landscaping. And three landscapers said, no, it's not. So what do you think? (laughs) I I think that the landscapers are right, Barbara. (laughs) So what what was your thought? It's too cold for what? To to, uh, trim trees and... Cut bushes. No, actually, it, it depends on what you're doing and why you're trimming them. I mean, you want to uh, quickly prune anything that says you was or anything that's hardy and evergreen and take advantage of the fact it's still dormant because it's not going to be next week. And those are best pruned when they're dormant. As far as frost tender plants go, I think with the forecast we have this week, I think our chances of freeze are kind of over. Personally, I would like to let a lot of things start to bud first before we prune them. But, you know, you're probably not going to hurt things by pruning turning him down. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. Well, you um, know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of guys with a little experience out there, believe it or not. Some of my bushes are looking like they got frostbit, like uh-huh. lantanas and stuff. Um, do I need to fertilize? I was listening to your previous message. You know, I'd let them start to wake up first, then go ahead and feed them. You know, so oh, when, 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 when they, when they start okay. to bud, then feed them. And, and they should start to bud here within, you know, with a forecast of every day, you're going to be over 70. You're going to find the lantanas and all those plants start to bloom and come back out. So, you know, pruning here pretty quick. As soon as they start to wake up and grow, then prune them, and that would be good to go ahead and feed at the same time. Last question. I have a grapefruit tree that always ripens late. Uh-huh. Um, you can't pull them off. How do you know when they're ready? They're, they're kind of hard now, and they they don't want to pull off. Well, Barbara, it depends a lot of the varieties of grapefruit, but grapefruit typically take over a year from bloom to harvest, okay, for most varieties here. And um, like a ruby red grapefruit, it's probably its best in about April or May. And uh, so they're not ripe yet. And uh, the, to get them off easy, you just snap them. Commercially, like the Rio Reds are already being picked, and a lot of the crops already been harvested. But uh, truthfully, the best place to store grapefruit is on the tree. And on a ruby red, you could easily leave some of the fruit on the tree all the way through the middle of the summer. It'll still be be good quality. And on a marsh white grapefruit, the old style, um, it's not going to really be at its best until May, and it'll stay all summer on the tree. I uh, they're they're kind of pinkish, uh-huh. and I and I don't know what variety they are. It's I bought the house. Probably um, most commonly. How old is the tree, Barbara? Oh, 30, 40 years old. <laughs> most likely, it's a ruby red. Uh, we, okay. you know, we grew some red blush and some pinks and different things. And, you know, 40, 50 years ago, I used to plant a lot of trees in Sun City myself, but that was a long time ago. But at any rate, um, yeah, most of the grapefruit here aren't going to be their best until April. I mean, you can certainly Got eat it. them now. And they'll stay well, on the good. tree through the middle of summer. Good, because my neighbor told me I should do it now and give them to the um, food bank. And I said, no, they're not ready. They have to be you know, ready to come off. And she says, then they're rotten. (laughs) They're not rotten. See, now sometimes you're absolutely right. And those neighbors, even if she's lived there for 30 years, doesn't understand citrus. But yeah, St. Mary's Food Bank, you know, we we actually, we grow a lot of commercial citrus and we donate some different varieties and things to them at times, quite a bit actually. But um, yeah, they'll take them. But you know, really, if you want to use them yourself, there's no reason to pick them early. And, And you can leave them on the tree through the middle of the summer and the quality will be, you know, only better until about June. And after that, wow, they're not quite good. as good. But, uh, you know, you could even leave some varieties of grapefruit on all the way into the fall. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye.
Uh, let's see. Next, we have Chris and Glendale. But after Chris, we've got wide open phones. The lovely Shira is back here bored. You got to give her a call. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Brian. I have a question about a compost bin. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it in. It was one of the uh, garbage can tops that uh, Glendale gives you. Uh-huh. And uh, it's been doing really well. I started it maybe end of October, and it's looking really good. But my only thing is we're uh, gone um, June until September, okay. and I have a garden, raised bed. I'm doing kale and Swiss chard and all kinds of winter things, uh-huh. but I don't do any more planting, uh, you know, until we leave in June. Okay. Should I leave the stuff that's in the compost bin in the compost bin, or do you think I should, if it's ready by June, spread it out in my raised beds and then cover it? That would be the ideal thing. You know, if okay. you wanted to spread it in your raised beds and cover it, um, you know, it's just going to continue to decompose there in the ground, and it'll yeah. be fine. So I, I would, I would, le- I wouldn't leave it in the bin all summer. Okay, yeah, just spread it out, let it. Uh, yeah, well, do just its just, thing. just turn it in. You know, turn it yeah. into the yeah. soil. Then it'll be ready in in then, uh, then September when I come for, back. Yeah, you know, it's a great time to plant a garden here in September. Oh, I've had beautiful kale, radishes, uh, Swiss chard. I don't know what to do with it. I've been just giving it all to neighbors because it's just really, really produced nicely. Well, I'm sure they appreciate it, Chris. Yep, good enough. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheryl in Scottsdale. Good morning, Cheryl. Uh, Good morning. Um, I have a kind of peculiar question. I'll be honest with you. I'm actually from Canada. And I'm just, I walk around Scottsdale and and Phoenix, and I just want to know, why does everybody cut the bushes into squares and, like, bulbs? Is there a reason? Cheryl, it's beyond me, okay? (laughs) I have have no idea why. You know, I know here's why it really happens. I can explain to you why it happens, but do I think it's a good process? No. Okay. The reason why they're hedged back, a lot of our plants do grow fast here, you know, especially in the summertime. And things like sages and yellow bells and bougainvilleas are all very fast growing plants and they, they thrive in our heat and with our weather. And there's just different thoughts and ideas how to prune them. But what it really gets down to is most plants are pruned not by the homeowner or somebody taking the time to prune them for a certain look. They're pruned by maintenance crews. And the maintenance crews are mostly made up of people who are instructed to do things in a certain way. And after they're doing it in a certain way and everybody's happy, nobody ever thinks about why they're pruning them, the direction and the form that they are. You know, I like plants to grow a lot more natural in nature than the ones that are heavily pruned, especially in balls and different things. But that takes more time and takes more thought. And then the biggest thing is, is the poor guys that are out pruning them, you know, they get schooled by their foreman, whoever, and they tell them, okay, we're going to have this project look like this. And it's easier for them to cut them all the same into these squares and balls than it is to take and thin a plant and reshape it and prune it. And the problem is if they come out and do the artistic thing, shape it and prune it, even though they're very talented, you know, then they get reprimanded for pruning it instead of being one of those nice little round balls. So... 
You know, Cheryl, okay. I'm as frustrated with it as you are, but I've been okay, here doing okay. it for a long time. And uh, okay, it's just it's, I thought there was a reason that they did it. Well, the reason the, well, the main the main reason why they do it is because that's the way they've been instructed, and they get reprimanded if they do things any differently. Okay, so there was there's no reason that it makes the plant better, that it's healthier for the plant, or something like that. Abso- that's what I was wondering. Absolutely okay, not better I, for the plant. You know, it doesn't okay. make the plant any want, better. You know, I want to. Make a question of our condo association and say, could we have it a little more natural? You know, so I just wondered if I was, you know, well, really, there was a reason Cheryl, for it. Cheryl, to give you an idea, like a lot of bigger projects will take plants like lantanas, and instead yeah. of pruning them all into little balls constantly, what they'll do is they'll take yeah. 50% of the ones in the project and cut them back really short, almost to the ground. Okay, and then come back yeah. the second month and cut back the other fifty percent. So they always maintain some beautiful lantanas in bloom. Some, some greenery, yeah. yeah and, and on some projects, it can work better that well. And I think you know, for a plant, for example, like a, a Mexican bird of paradise, it's certainly better to prune it back close to the ground than cut it into a ball. Hey, I've got to let you go. Is We've got to take a hard break because Mr. Troy showed up in here, and we're going to have to find out what's <laughs> happened with the news. Cheryl, thank you well, for the thank call. Thank you so much. Hey, you're I welcome. appreciate you're, your you're comments. You're always welcome. To Call back to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. I love your love your country. Okay, bye now. <laughs> well, we, we love Canadians. We have a lot of Canadians here in the valley, and uh, I've had good friends from Canada from, from Canada oh. from Canada for well, my whole life. <laughs> Take care, Cheryl. Okay, bye bye. Good morning to you. Bye. And we got Mister Troy here with the news. We better find out what's going on. version coffee was down to a nickel a pound and i was busted not a quarter quarter's my money anyway welcome back folks and let's we've uh, got two lines available number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTAR jim and phoenix good morning yeah hi hi jim i was one hi i was wondering um my, I have winter grass now, and it looks great, but I know when the Bermuda starts coming up, you know, in the spring and summer, it's where it's, the spots where it's real blotchy. And I was wondering, Brian, if I could throw Bermuda grass seed down now because the, the soil is nice and moist and everything like that and have it settle in and then just come up in the summer, or would I just be wasting 
time, and it would just rot there if I threw it out now. Well, it won't rot. It may come up, but it's probably not going to do you a whole lot of good, Jim. Bermuda grass doesn't really germinate until it's about 55 to 60 at nighttime. So it would just sit yeah. there, and most of the seed would probably go to not. So if you really want to have a nice summer lawn, what you should do is you need to kill your rye grass early. Enjoy it for the next two months. You know, it's somewhere about the first or middle part of April when it's up in the 85, 90, 95 degree kind of range and it's nice and hot. Um, what, what you should do, shut the water off and don't mow for a couple of weeks and then come back and oh, okay. scalp it, aerate it. And then if you want to seed some more Bermuda grass, seed it and water it, fertilize it, and it'll come back just wonderful. But, you know, you're better okay. off just leaving that rye alone, enjoying it for now. And anything we're going to do to help, we're going to help mainly by eliminating the rye in a timely fashion because it's perennial rye. So really by the end of April, you want to have killed the rye and reseeded your Bermuda grass. Okay. And the thing is, Brian, I don't have a sprinkler system, so I have to hand water that. And when the weather does get warm enough for it to germinate, it dries out so quick. That's why I was wondering if now when when the soil is soft and that seed could settle in, if then it would still come up or if it would be a waste. But I, I hear you. Well, Jim, there's, there's you know, if you, if you want to try it, go for it. You know, the, the one thing I've learned, you know, with, with my experience, you know, with gardening and landscaping and working with people all over the years is never to say never, never say no. Never tell anybody they can't do something, not have work, because it's just like cooking. They'll prove you wrong. You know, there's always yeah. a different way to season things. There's different things to try. There's different things to grow. And there's no absolutes in gardening. Uh, but uh, yeah. as far as the seed being there, the seed will be there. But, you know, it's still going to need the heat and the wet, you know, come April to germinate. In the meantime, yeah. it, it may rot. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh-huh. enjoy it. And, uh, you know, but really the key is, is to get that, you know, transition done. And that'll make more of a difference than anything. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks for your show, Brian. Thanks, Jim. It. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Uh, Diana up in Kingman. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. I love your show. Um, I have a question for you about uh, potted plants, the large potted plants that I brought in to protect them over the winter. It's, it's only about 45 degrees here this morning. It, you know, it's cooler up here. Um, but one of them is a large potted desert rose. And I also had a large uh, potted Christmas cactus, both in clay pots. And I noticed in the last month they developed fungus gnats. Um, bad. <laughs> so um, I needed some help with some natural remedies for fungus gnats. And these plants will be going back out again once the weather is nice. But for now in the house, those gnats are going to get all over my other little mini potted cactus too if I don't do something. So what I would do is take them out on a nice warm afternoon like this afternoon and drench the soil with just like some malathion. And that'll take care of the gnats, then bring them back in uh, and make sure that they don't freeze. I mean, you know, tomorrow, well, we, you know, it's, our, our weather just really changed as far as what they're predicting for tomorrow's cold. And uh, you could probably even leave them out tomorrow, but I wouldn't. I would take them out today. I would drench them and then I would bring them back in this evening. What is the what is the product that you? Well, malathion. I had heard vinegar. I had heard hydrogen peroxide. I well, heard all these you, you could try all those kinds of things. I would use like an insecticide. I would either use spinosad or malathion, and just go ahead and drench it with an insecticide one time. You know, it's not like you're going to eat any of the fruit off of either one of those plants, and both <laughs> those have a. Both those have a, a short reentry period. You know, just as soon as they're dry, they're safe, and. Yeah. Uh, 
And the uh, Spinis ads even got an ormery label, so it's you know it's, we could even use it on our uh, organic certified plantings. So I mean, and both is those it, will do a good job killing those gnats just with a drench. Is it S P I N I C A I D Spinis? S P I N O S A D. O S A D. Okay, uh-huh. I'll. I guess I can get that at any gardening center. You should be able to find oh. that or or Malathion. I mean, Malathion's really safe too. I mean, you know, in a lot of the commercial produce, um, Malathion's used. And I mean, what it is, it's it's very quick and very toxic because it has no half life and doesn't have a residual. So that's what makes okay. it safe to use. And you know, it's used on all kinds of vegetables. Okay, great. I'll definitely do that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Diana. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Oh, let's see. Next, we've got Earl in North Phoenix. But after Earl, it's wide open. Yep, that means there's nobody after Earl except for Shira here smiling at me. So just give her a call. 602-277-5827-277. KTAR, we talk about the landscape, your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, why to grow, and how to grow it. We've got something different doing at home. We're all ears. Earl, good morning. Hey, Brian. Good morning to you, too. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for being on there. I've, uh, <laughs> I've got a question about my mesquite tree. You know, in the winter here, it's uh, last couple of weeks has been dropping a lot of its little green uh, uh, seeds or whatever they're called, the parts of the, the mesquite tree. And I've been cleaning it and cleaning and cleaning the ground. And it, I'm just thinking maybe this is a good time to trim the mesquite tree. I guess that's my question. Is this a good time to get it maybe trimmed um, now that it's the winter months? Yeah, if you want to trim it, you can trim it any time. You know, and really, if, you know, the main thing is to probably prune it before, you know, monsoon season, especially if it's a Chilean. But, you know, any time now is not going to harm the tree at all to prune it. And, uh, you know, the nice part, if you're pruning it now, you won't have to do that pickup because whoever's up pruning it will probably knock most of the little stuff off. And uh, it's going to bust out here. When the weather hits about 80, it'll start to rebud, you know, usually somewhere the end of February or so. But if you want to prune it now while it's fairly dormant, it's a great time. won't hurt the tree at all. Wonderful. Great. I think I'll get that done then this week because uh, it's just driving me crazy having to clean up after you. You well, know what I mean? That, yeah, and that'll <laughs> definitely, you know, having somebody up in there, even the stuff that they're not trimming, they'll probably shake most of it off. And then you'll have someone there to clean, too, while, you know, while they're cutting the branches. Why not? Good idea. Thanks. That was all yours. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> uh, let's see. Next, we've got Grant in Phoenix. Good morning, Grant. Hey, good morning, Brian. I am um, calling back. I actually called about five months ago and was tearing down a wall, and my wife had wanted floribunda roses, and you, or my wife had wanted roses, and I asked if you thought they would survive there, and I, I put them in, and they are. They're doing great. My question is, they're growing, you know, they're bushes now, but they're they're growing off their limbs. And at what time of year do I prune those back to kind of bushes? Right now is the perfect time, Grant. Couldn't be a more timely time to prune a rose bush than today. And if they're floribundas, we're not going to cut them way back like we would a a hybrid tea for the long stems. Uh, We're just going to kind of round the plant back and shape it uh, and let it grow back in and fill in. Um, The hybrid teas, we would trim completely differently to grow long stem roses. Uh, Those we would cut back close to the ground, spread out the little stalks, have them be very short. On on a floribunda rose, just print it back and just kind of round the plant out. All righty. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Grant. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Frank and Phoenix. But if you'd like to be up after Frank, all you have to do is give Shira a call. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. 
Sunday morning, the lights are shining from the sun's rays and sunny slope. We do have a couple lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday from 9 to or 7 to 9. I was going to keep starting to start at 9 now. Guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm tired. Uh, 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Uh, Frank in Phoenix. Good morning, Frank. Hello. Hello, Frank. I, I've got a question about, I have a lawn that when we first bought the house, it was half grass, half rock, and then years later we took out all the rock, put in an irrigation system, and, and made it grass. But the grass on the new part is real soft, the ground is all muddy. What can I do every time I mow it? It leaves ruts where the uh, lawnmower goes through. You can see all the feet steps. What can I do to harden the, the ground so it's not so muddy? Cut back on the water, Frank. Cut back on the water, Frank. I did. Cut back to about half of what it has on the other side. Okay. Well, the other side's probably more compacted. You've probably loosened this up when you've you know planted the new stuff. But, you know, do you have ryegrass planted right now, Frank? Yes, sir. And how often do you water? Uh, two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the afternoon. Okay, let's, let's change that. Let's save a little water and let's keep our lawn just as healthy and not have to fight with it. So let's let's change it to water twice a week, okay? And if you go put something that captures water on there for the ryegrass for the wintertime, put something that will capture about a half inch of water. So let it run to about a half inch. And before we even determine that second irrigation every week, take a screwdriver and stick it in the ground. And if it's still soft, then don't water. They just water one time a week. But uh, I think you're watering way more frequently and uh, really, really kind of wasting water. So if you'll just back way off the watering, it'll get a chance to dry out and be happy. Okay. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Bye-bye. Uh, Cur- uh, let's see. Corrine in uh, Florence. Hi. Good morning, Corrine. Hey, good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Oh, good. I'm calling you. I live in Florence, Arizona, and I would like to know if um, I it is a good idea to plant a white sweet grape uh, plant. I saw it. I 
like to have some, but um, our area it tends to be dry, and I don't know if I should do it because I'm wondering if it will require too much water. You know, grapes do very, very well here. And just a regular Thompson seedless, a big white seedless grape is probably the hardiest of all varieties and uh, make a wonderful plant. They'll have to be watered, you know, in the heat of the summer at least once a week. And maybe if it's real hot, like over 110 twice. But grapes thrive here, easy to grow. And if you've got a big area, you want to grow something kind of fun, you can't beat them. You know, you could you could stuff the leaves, you could eat the fruit, the birds will like them. They're fun. Okay, great. That's really good. And if I may ask you a second question, my husband has planted sisal trees uh, two years ago. One is striving very well, and the other one is having such a struggle. And we just had a big freeze, although we covered it up really well. It's still showing some sign of weakness. We are um, feeding it Miracle Grow. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what to do to make it strive. I don't know if it's the ground we planted in or um, it's just not striving at all. Well, sissy trees really, for the most part, do quite well here. They can be frost tender. But it take, on a young tree, I can see where you might have some frost damage this time of year. But if you'll just kind of leave it for right now, it's not warm enough for it to wake up yet. And have it on a water cycle. It gets deep watered. You know, if it's a you grow young tree once a week in the summertime, and about once every okay. two weeks right now, when you water it, you want the water to go to a depth of about two feet deep and as wide as the tree, so out three feet wide or so, or four feet wide. And fertilizing it with like a citrus food will be easier. And you could just put okay. like a citrus food in around it. And I would do that in about two weeks. And uh, you could, if you want okay. to grow really fast, you could do that once a month. Okay. Wonderful. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for your advice. Thanks, Kareen. Take care. Have a nice day. Uh, you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Mark and Tippy, But after Mark, it's wide open. The number to call is 602-277-5827. You know, Mark, I forgot to tell people after our last song that uh, they should come out and see us at Whitfield Nursery. At Whitfields, we grow trees. We have been since my grandparents started back in the 40s. All kinds, all sizes, from citrus trees to palm trees, from ash trees and elm trees to ironwoods to uh, wonderful mesquites and fruitless olives. Whatever your dream for trees, come out and see us at Whitfields. We deliver plant guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. And I also want to thank our special friends and uh, who we grow a lot of citrus here in Arizona. So right now you can go and eat some of our wonderful tangelos and uh, navel oranges and lemons and Meyer lemons as well. And we're at Whole Foods, Sprouts, uh, Safeway, Albertsons, and the whole chain of Bashes. So that's Bashes stores. And you can find now, the tangelas aren't at Bashes yet. we got, we got to get out of the tangelas. But the tangelas will be at Bashes pretty soon. Navels and lemons are. And uh, so then we've got the Bashes group. We've got AJ's. And we can't forget Food City. I mean, that's the that's our number one lemon customer. It's Food City. But anyway, uh, thanks to all those guys for supporting us with our citrus. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I have a question. Um, speaking of citrus, we would like to, to uh, get some grapefruit. Um, so I'm looking to, the question is, I want to plant a grapefruit tree and I didn't know like the size or when to do it. Um, what would be the quickest way to get grapefruit now? 
Well, I mean, I guess you could just go over the neighbor's yard and pick some. But uh, aside from that, um, the quickest way, you know, if you you can plant a 15-gallon or 24-inch box ice tree, we have nice ruby red or red blush grapefruit. We also have oro blancos, which are, you know, two different varieties. I'd really recommend you taste them before you decide which variety you like the best. Uh, Or if you want two grapefruit, you could do one of each. And the nice part with oro blancos, it ripens earlier and the ruby red ripens later. So with that combination, you can have grapefruit virtually year-round, Mark. And, um, you know, you can buy time. So if you plant a 24-inch box or a 36-inch box, you're going to be getting a tree that's three or four years older than a 15-gallon, and a 15-gallon is going to be two or three years older than a five-gallon. So you can certainly buy time. And, you know, Whitfields would love to come plant them for you as well. Okay. Um, one, the last, it's, I have a north-facing backyard. Is that... Uh-huh. Well, you're going to, if it's north facing, that's fine, but you're going to want to put them on the far north side of the yard so the house doesn't shade them so they can get, you know, quite a lot of sun. Now, the one thing that can be pretty hot sometimes is the northeast corner of the backyard because it's kind of a heat fulcrum back in there, you know, so if it's going to be really hot, you might move it a little ways away from the from the you know east corner because the reflected okay. heat right in that corner could be quite hot unless you're going to plant a bigger tree that's big enough to shade the area. All right, appreciate the help. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Bye bye. Well, and that leaves us with wide open phones. But uh, are we out at fifty eight or fifty? Oh, okay, so I got a minute and a half to talk, and, and I'll invite you to call during the break. You know, we have the lovely Shira here on phones and music, and she comes in and keeps all this stuff organized and uh, all running really well before Troy shows up with the news, and he'll be here in a few moments as well. But, you know, we appreciate the, the calls, folks, and your, 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 you know, being part of this program. You know, Whitfields, we've been uh, growing trees here in the Valley, as I said earlier, you know, now for four generations. We have a lot of fun growing trees, and we'd appreciate, uh, you know, we sponsor the program, so, you know, we basically can afford to be here and have all this fun because you either buy our citrus from one of those great stores that we sell to, or you come out the nursery, and we'd love to plant trees for you. We are licensed-bonded insured. And uh, we've been growing trees here in the Valley since my grandfather started it. Actually, my grandparents. You know, and they started off uh, with the citrus first back in 1945. You know, growing the citrus on our five-acre orange grove that's at 824 East Glendale Avenue. So, it's been a lot of fun. It's a family business. It's some place we've grown up together, and it's really fun being back in the citrus part of it again. We, you know, didn't really have the citrus production for years, and as we developed the nursery, I would you know, basically take out a row of my grandmother's citrus trees and then we'd put more nursery in and pay more rent so everybody was happy but uh, you know now we grow citrus out in Mesa and down in Hyder and we have some wonderful citrus that you can grow here in your own yard in Arizona or else you can certainly hit plenty of our you know great stores that we work with and the local support with the stores is phenomenal I'd like to thank them once more you know and our, our main stores that we deal with we deal with Sprouts the whole you know the whole chain they're pretty valley wide we have a lot of fun with the Whole Foods guys Albert and Safeway are, are great, uh, you know, supporters of our products. And so was the whole Bash's family with, uh, you know, the Bash's stores, AJ's, and the Food Cities. Uh, come out and see us, taste our fruit, and we'll be back right after the news with Mr. Troy Barrett here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR.